know how there's a gaydar? Oh, yeah. Uh, and I, I personally think that in, in a place like Seattle, gaydar is pretty moot. Like, you don't really... You don't need it as much. Sure. Or it's not as reliable, I should say. Yeah. Like, I'm still always wanting to know who's gay, but the typical giveaways aren't the same. Right. There's a lot of mask. Yeah. Mask for mask. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That aside, uh, I feel like I need a straight dar more than a gay dar. (laughs) In what way? Well, I feel like I'll see someone who's attractive... And I start looking for signs that they're straight as opposed to signs that they're gay. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Any, like, any telltale signs? Uh, faux bullet belt. Is a, <laughs> that, that's a fashion crime that only straight men seem to uh, commit. <laughs> what if uh, one in every 40 is a live one? <laughs> I don't like those odds. <laughs> I mean, that's literally, like, your chances of, like, picking the right number in roulette. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be careful. Yeah. I'd be careful wearing that. But, like roulette, that jackpot's a huge payoff. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why straight people do it. Yeah. Straight people are weird. Uh, I mean, if someone comes into Pony, are you ever able to tell, like, that person's straight? Yes, sometimes. Yeah? Definitely. What's a giveaway? Um, wow, there's a lot of penises around here. <laughs> I do get a lot of, yeah, the, uh, the, um, declaration of, I'm straight, but I really feel welcome here. I'm straight, and this is the most dicks I've ever seen on a wall. I'm straight. Can I have a Cosmo? (laughs) No. Do you thank them for their declaration? (laughs) I put my dick back in my pants because you made the announcement. (laughs) Well, then. Your invite to the glory hole has been rescinded. (laughs) I ring a bell. It's like when somebody wants to buy shots for the round. Like, ding, ding, ding. This guy's straight. This one right here. No one hit on him. Got it. Having a girlfriend. That's a dead giveaway. Yeah. That, that, I would say that is less of a straight tell than the faux bullet belt. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, gays show up with a lady all the time. Yeah. Well, I meant like her mouth directly on his genitals. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've but actually, once again, not always. I've actually refused service to people who were be- straight people who were being lewd. Oh, really? Yeah, because and they like... pointed at the gay couple and be like, "Well, they're doing it." <laughs> In which case, they say, "Yeah, get out." <laughs> <laughs> um, if you'd like to join them, that's a different story. Yeah, <laughs> uh, just because it's like. I don't know. They were like they were just being rude and were like getting all in my in my business. I so I was trying to work. There was a huge literally line. in your business. Yeah, just like grinding on the bar, and Ugh. it's like no first, one wants to first of all, you're acting really intoxicated, and second of all, this is a gay bar. Yeah, no one wants to see that here. Yeah, get out. Yeah, um, I did tell them they were welcome to stay. I just wasn't going to serve them alcohol. Mm, but mm. that's usually a a cavalier of you. It's my it's my method. Pony's top diplomat. Because <laughs> I obviously, I don't know if, if you've seen my frame. Obviously you have. I don't know if our listeners have. I'm not really built for throwing people out of a bar. <laughs> yeah. I can see how you'd want to avoid direct confrontation. Yeah, I have to use mental coercion. <laughs> Your grace and elan to uh, <laughs> settle uh, disputes. I find shame is a good way to get people oh, yeah? to stop. Yeah. A good one is... Your friends are really embarrassed right now. <laughs> wow. 
wow, that's like the motherly approach to uh, <laughs> cooling. Yeah, it works. It works pretty well. Why? Yeah. Patrick Stewart could take a lesson from you. <laughs> in what way? Uh, in Roadhouse, he was a cooler. You mean Patrick Swayze? Yeah. <laughs> How great. <laughs> Let's rewind that. <laughs> Patrick Stewart in Roadhouse. <laughs> Where he pulls the guy's throat out. That would be awesome. <laughs> oh man, I've been listening to the Great Generation podcast too much. That's a, that's a, I, I got, I got peace too on the mind. <laughs> peace do is great. That's an A plus nickname. <laughs> Did you watch anything fun this week? Uh, oh, I watched a horror movie called Absentia. Okay, like in. In absentia? Like yeah. Absent? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, first third rocked my socks, and then it slowed down. Mm. And then it kind of got interesting again. Um, That's not a glowing review. <laughs> uh, I mean, the first third is pretty awesome. And the movie takes some strange turns. Okay. It, it, it pulls out, like, all the stops. Like, a lot of horror movies especially ones concerning family, sort of, like, mirror, like, family trauma. Okay. Uh, in a lot of horror movies, like, a running thing is, like, the family is, like, a broken home in some way. Mm-hmm. Or trauma has been, you know, induced in some way. The horror is sort of a reflection of that. Right. Uh, and this one, like, had, like, all, like, the familial, you know, trauma you could think of. So it's, like, uh, pregnant mother, mm-hmm. hu- husband, who is not the father is, you know, MIA. Don't don't know who the father is and the husband's MIA. Okay. Uh the sister is recovering drug drug addict, you know, trying to stay sober. Uh they live in a rough part of LA. Okay. Uh so there's also socioeconomic tensions. I see. Uh which they got is a, a lot going. Yeah, we, that, I mean that's another thing. Like, you'll you'll see a lot of movies where like poverty, like Candyman, like sort of like right. the Candyman sort of like uh the terrors of poverty, or if you've ever seen People Under the Stairs, the Wes Craven movie. Right, yeah, yeah. You know, so it has, like, all these different elements, and it kind of works in different elements of horror. Like, it starts out a ghost story, and then there's, like, a monster in there, and then there's other strange things. Okay. Uh, And it was still solid. Like, I'd still recommend it, but it, yeah, it slowed down pretty hard there. Mm -hmm. And then when it tried to get going again, I will say, as someone who does not scare easily watching scary movies... That first third had me pretty scared. Really? I, I was, yeah. Good to know. And there was elements, like, in, in, later on in the movie, too, where I was, like, legitimately scared of what was happening. Okay. So, decent, but a little saggy in the middle. Yeah, you know, first, director's first film. Mm-hmm. So. No excuse. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, what about you? Did you see anything? I did. I talked to you about this a little bit already, but I watched uh, Kubo and the Two Strings. Oh, yeah. Which, uh, so good. Yeah. That, I really like everything I've seen by that Leica company. And they're really kind of the only ones doing what they do. What makes them different from, say, it's, Pixar or DreamWorks? It's stop motion. It's actually, oh. yeah, being filmed. Okay. I mean, they blend in some CGI elements, but, like, I think pretty much everything that's moving is, and all the characters are, are stop motion. Oh, I didn't realize... Oh, I guess Paranorman was yeah. stop motion, yeah. And it's a really good story. I think it's an original story, too, which is, like, 
even better these days. Um, so I was kind of caught up in that, but there, there were moments where it's just like, how are they even doing these like long pans when, mm. you know, there's so much movement happening and, uh, like just, just the facial expressions alone that they get sometimes mm. you have to think that like the script had to, you know, be finalized before they could start shooting that stuff. Mm-hmm. And the actual, like, line readings had to be done, too, you know? Yeah. And they were doing it to those. And there's some really funny jokes hmm. that, like, you got to be real confident that that is a funny thing <laughs> that this person is saying. Because if you're spending that much time making their, you know, these faces do those things. And they were. Like, I laughed out loud. Um, there's some real... Dark. It's kind of a darker one, okay. for sure. Yeah, I was trying to think who their audience was, and it's definitely like early well, early teens, maybe. I was gonna say this is the same studio that did Coraline mm-hmm. and Paranorman. Yeah, those three are all solid. Really yeah, good. Uh, but they all kind of hit. I don't want to say goth because that <laughs> you know conjures images of you know, it's a shitty store that sells name hot topic hot topic. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but, but it it does it hits that sort of darker like streak of animation where it's not necessarily like too violent or too scary for kids, but you know, Nightmare Before Christmas hit a very like sort of unique brand. Yeah, like, it, it, it was different from other cartoons that were really out at that time. Like it was decidedly darker, right? Uh, you know, a lot more macabre. And I feel like this is sort of going towards that audience, but. <clears throat> You know, Nightmare Before Christmas had a lot of mass appeal. Yeah, and I think it's actually the same people. Yeah, it's got it's got like a decidedly alternative slash darker um, spin to it, which means that uh, only the cool kids are watching it. <laughs> so, so it's you and a bunch of cool thirteen year olds. Yeah, <laughs> if I had gotten and thought seen this in the theater, it would have been me and a bunch of thirteen year olds, cool thirteen year olds. Uh. But yeah, recommended. It was it was solid. Okay. We're going to uh get right into this other part portion of the show in just a minute. By the way, fair listener, you're listening to X-rated. <laughs> My name is Ryan Whedon. <laughs> and this is Matt Fisher. And um we're gonna talk to you about some movies. <laughs> We have a guest. Uh, this is uh, Bettina McKelvey, a uh, lowbrow film connoisseur and um, a uh, sketch comedy mistress. Is, yes. that, is that right? That, that is perfect. <laughs> okay. um, also, uh, I would like the listeners to know that I am flipping my hair like they can see me doing it. <laughs> it's me. This is real sophisticated this recording equipment. They'll hear it. They'll hear it. I the whooshing. Totally the whooshing. Anyway, yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Thank yeah. you for having wine here. Absolutely, yeah. If I'm going to talk about, if I'm going to talk about a Rose McGowan movie, I'm going to need some wine. I figured, yeah, so that's why we've got that, we've got that whole case there for, for all of us. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> do, you, do you want to talk about uh, your, your sketch 
comedy stuff? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, So I, uh, me and my friend Emily Shahan are a a sketch comedy duo called Toxic Shock. And um, you can find us on Facebook. And uh, we're also having, we're debuting some new material at the Pocket Theater in Greenwood on May 28th. Okay. Awesome. Cool. Okay. Yeah. 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 Perfect. That will be. This will be out before then. So. All right. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the case with a lot of podcasts that I've done yeah. before. Because I do so many podcasts. <laughs> yeah, we should. We should also say professional podcast guest star. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, add that to your to your credentials. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah. So I guess um, I should mention that uh, the reason I wanted you to come on was because we're doing this double feature, and I watched the first half of it, Heather's. And I realized, my first thought as soon as it was over was like, I want to know what Bettina thinks about this movie. <laughs> and so, yeah, and then that just kind of morphed into, why don't you just come on and talk and talk with us? And yeah. So, yeah, I'm really, glad, right. I'm really glad you're here. <laughs> I hope I've got some mind-blowing revelations and analyses for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, if not, the hair twirl. Yeah, you know, thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, so Heather's our first movie. Uh, and it, my top question, which I'm going to aim to our guest, uh-huh. I want to know, maybe my high school was just left out, but I don't remember girls or young women being so fashionable. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to say so, like, Hot. diabolical <laughs> and evil. And... No, we had those. <laughs> um, but the fashion is incredible. I'm so glad you brought this up because... <laughs> There's a scene where um, uh, Noni, that's what we're going to call Winona Ryder, okay, I guess. Yeah. Great, <laughs> Noni. Great. Um, Noni and Christian Slater um, commit their their first uh, murder. Mm-hmm. And um, Winona Ryder, is, or Noni, is wearing this oversized vest and then this gray um, uh, thermal or something in these leggings. And it's like the most gigantic vest I've ever seen. Right. And, um, yeah, I, I, um, I encourage everyone to revisit that scene at least. Cause it's one of the best. Out- I, I, I was like <laughs> screaming when she, when she walked into Heather's room and I was like, Oh, this vest, it's like down past her knees. I, I, I've been I've been looking on Etsy like oversized vest like what you Heather's? call it like a vest vest dress <laughs> it was like a vest dress yes a vest mm. tunic yeah she she looks amazing yeah there are so many so many good outfits in that Ugh. I saw a good I saw a good uh uh like article I was reading when I was doing research uh to talk today it yeah. was specifically about the fashion in Heather's which is um really great because they added just like a bunch of pictures of everything and it's it really is. That costume designer had a lot of fun. Yes, and absolutely. How many of those pictures had shoulder pads in them? I would say a good seventy to eighty percent. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I was watching it, and I was like, "God, they women dress like linebackers." Like, <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's definitely kind of like a working girl. I don't know if it was uh, same a year. pre or po- same year yeah, yeah. as working girl. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that was like the zeitgeist was like um, no yeah. real difference between like like young women's fashion and like. Sigourney Weaver and working girls. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's like, and it was like the articles making this uh, argument that it's like kind of the setting them apart because mm-hmm. like the rest of the teenagers look like regular teenagers. Yeah, and it's like they're not they're not setting fashion trends. They're like above fashion trends mm-hmm. almost. You know, they're like it that does cool. It gives them like a, a Disney 
evil stepmother vibe. True. Yeah. 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 They, you know, uh, it's like Cinderella stepmothers are like walking through like the high school hallways. Yeah. <laughs> and all of the Heathers and Veronica all have like a sort of like um, color palette. Yeah. Uh, uh, Noni's Veronica's is blue. Um, uh, Heather Chandler's red. Uh, other blonde Heather is yellow and like black. It's like Tweety. She, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And then uh, Doherty and Doherty's green. Right. Um, so I don't know. Maybe maybe I, I, I'm not uh, amazing for noticing that. Maybe it was kind of laying it on real thick, and I'm just like, I'm such an observant viewer. <laughs> I'm seeing these colors. <laughs> it took me until the second croquet match to notice yeah. it. I will, I'll be honest. Oh, and the matching croquet balls. Well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the color, especially in Heather's, like they really adhere to like a, a defined color palette. There's like the scene where they're going into like uh, it's the girl that they poison. Uh, um, with, like the Drano, uh, Heather Steve. Chandler, yeah, uh, yeah, Heather Chandler, and it's like the kitchen and like the living area is all pink. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, uh, and Christian Slater is all black. Yes, like trench coat, yeah, proto trench coat, like mass shooter, yeah. like before there yeah. were mass yeah. shooters. Yeah, uh, but he, he sticks out like a sore thumb, surrounded by pink like mm-hmm. that. Like there's. When they walk in, like, he walks, like, all the way across frame, and it's, like, a windshield wiper going across. <laughs> oh, no, I love yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, no, then, I noticed that, too. I noticed the decor of the kitchen, like, immediately. It's very yeah. striking. And then uh, the, the Drano was so blue. Right. And so, like, when she Which is Noni's color. Which is Noni's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, and um, Heather Chandler's bed frame is absolutely... Oh, I missed it. ...magnificent. It looks like the inside of a shell. <laughs> and she's kind of... It's so great. They walk into her room. And she's like oh, languishing yeah, her... in a red robe, and it's like the like the uh, the headboard is like this crimped like white um, satin that looks like the inside of oh like a gosh. shell, or like, it's it's pretty incredible. And <laughs> but, just like oh, yeah, she's sleeping like she's posing for like a smooth jazz album yes, cover. Yeah, like, sort of like Roxy music, maybe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's. I was very struck by the interiors of the Chandler household as well. Just with the fashion, because I was struck by, yeah, with Heather's and Jawbreaker, and it reminded me of Daria, Mm -hmm. because Quinn, the little sister was, like, vice president of the fashion club. Yeah, I'm like, was this a thing in the 90s where high school girls, like, afforded top-tier fashion? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I I missed out on it, apparently. Yeah. Uh... But it, it must have been a thing. Like, we get it from... Heather's was, what, 88, 89? 89, I wrote down, yeah. Okay. And then Jawbreakers was 99. Right. Uh, oh, one decade apart. That's nice. Yeah. Mm. Almost to, to the mm. day, there's about a, a decade really? and a month apart. Yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, yeah, there you go. Um, well, I guess, yes. Yeah, I mean, if we're, if we're going to jump around, I would say that, like... There's some some wild fashion going on in Jawbreaker. Oh, oh yeah. Oh my god. Oh, I, I yeah. specifically wanted to talk about so Judy Greer, who plays Fern Mayo, right, right, is yeah. I think the fucking star of that movie. <laughs> and I was shocked because she's not on the poster art. No, yeah, art. She's not. And I think that it's her movie. I think that she is the most dynamic actress. I think that um, her transformation, like they give her this makeover, so she starts out as like a Carrie White, like yeah, like, like, like potato sack, yeah. potato sack, clutching the books, heavy, heavy wig, and then they give her this like Jenna Elfman, like sassy, <laughs> like Meg Ryan, nineteen ninety seven haircut, and then, oh, yeah. but, and then like her outfits though are incredible. I'm thinking of one in particular um, where she has like a, a a showdown with Rose McGowan in the bathroom, and she's wearing this like fuchsia pink bedazzled, kind of like Elvis-ish Femi uh-huh. suit with a um, uh, a hot pink crop top that says B. 
bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and I think she may be wearing a belly chain. She does wear a belly oh, chain no, at one point. Really? Yes. I miss yes. That. And um, yeah, the fashion in that is so good. Burns <laughs> or Violet. Because she gets a yeah, makeover and becomes true. Violet. Her outfits are just breathtaking. <laughs> I think it was Violet who, at one point in the movie, was wearing, like, what were they, a shawl where they, like, cover your arms and your shoulders? But it, like, instead of just stopping there, like, it went down into, like, a top. But, like, it stopped at her rib cage. Yeah, like, yeah. her belly was still fully exposed. And, like, she's walking around high school like this. Yeah. I'm like, what? The shawl bra? Like, wow. Shawl bra! <laughs> I love it. How old, was, how old were they? Like, I'm thinking specifically oh, Rose McGowan. Oh, I think she, she was, like, 20. 27 yeah. or something. She looks fully, like, Oh, yeah. Fully <laughs> they're, they're, like a teenager. They're full-figured gals at that point. Absolutely. Um... Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I get the feeling that that this was supposed to be a Rose, a Rose McGowan vehicle, but I, you guys, I have to say, revisiting it, <laughs> I don't think it's her movie, and I I get that she's like a zeitgeisty late nineties presence, oh, yeah. sure, um, oh, yeah. but she, she delivers all of her lines in the same register. It's just it's oh, kind of like this, and I'm a kinky kind of girl, and we're gonna do, uh, yeah. uh, there's like there's. I, I was just really kind of disappointed, and I, I wanted so much from her because she has so much to do in that movie. Yeah, she's not very dynamic. And though. I just, I just, I wanted to see more of Rebecca Gayhart because I have kind of like a soft spot for Rebecca Gayhart. From those um, Neutrogena commercials. Yes. Yeah. Um, um, I'm sorry. Are you going to have to correct you, Noxima? Oh. I wish it were darker so I couldn't see my skin. Pitch black would be nice. Um, also, Ur- Urban Legend. Yeah. Um, uh, she's fantastic in Urban Legend. I'm a, a big Urban Legend. Uh, That's I, right. I don't want to say I'm a fan so much as an apologist. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I promise. It's good. Right. Um, and she, she's fantastic in that. And I think she has a sort of, like, wit and self-awareness about her that we maybe don't get to see on display so much in um, Chawbreaker because she's just sort of this... Yeah, she's, she's a little more of a pushover. She's a pushover, yeah. and but you're right about Judy Greer because I don't. I I only saw this movie for the first time like two, three years ago. Maybe mm-hmm. I wasn't very popular in high school. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get invited to a lot of movies, uh, and I didn't. And someone mentioned that both Pam Greer and Judy Greer are in this movie, oh. and I, I, I was shocked because I didn't. I had not heard that either were in this movie. Yeah, uh, you know, just up until a couple of years ago, which is kind of what made me want to go see it. Uh, and yeah, because the poster, it's, you know, uh, Rose McGowan, uh, and the, and the other two, but it doesn't Rebecca have... Gayhart and whoever the other one is. But yeah, there's, like, no mention of Judy Greer, like, on the poster, she doesn't get top billing, but she's... A major part of it. Yeah. She's, yeah, and she, yeah, she's so fantastic in that. I, I love Judy Greer. Like, I was yeah. just thinking about her just as, like, as a presence in movies, and thinking about, uh, that movie, uh, what is it, um, Adaptation, and how she's in it for, like, five minutes... As really? like yeah, as like Nicolas Cage's waitress at a di- at like a diner right. where he always gets key lime pie, and she um he asks her out on a date, and the way that she like turns him down, like she just kind of does this face, and it's just so subtle and perfect, and it's like a five minute cameo. I I call it a cameo because I think she's a star. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, um, I apologize. So I'll just be right back with your pie then. She did that in Jurassic World too. Oh God, she, I forgot oh, she was in that. She plays the mom, and she's able to cram like <sighs> feeling into. She must have like two minutes of screen time. Yeah, but it's like she she's trying to balance it all. I know. You know? <laughs> she's trying to take care of kids. She's a career woman. Like exactly. I felt your pain in those, in those 
two minutes of on screen time. I know, God, yeah. She's a she's a she's a workhorse. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I really like about Heather's that I think didn't quite happen in Jawbreaker is like the language of slang, the slang that they mm-hmm. were using. Yes. Um, I really love, and I think that like Heather's it works because it really feels like they're just using their they're making it up. Like in this little high school world, this is the slang they use. Like they believe it. Like. Fuck me, John. Yeah, or like it's, it'll be very. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like, did you have a brain tumor for <laughs> breakfast? Like, just stuff like that. That's really, it like lands and yeah. feels like, oh yeah, that's probably something a teenager would say. Yeah. But I was like, I didn't write down a single one from Jawbreaker except for one is for witch, two is for bitch, and that's like, that happens <laughs> before the credits roll. So yeah, <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, yeah, I think I'm just going to come out and say it. I think that Jawbreaker is not a very good movie. <laughs> no, I think that, I think that um, Judy Greer and like, um, uh, tr- transcends it and is amazing. But um, it has so many just like blunt, heavy-handed references to so many teen movies yeah. without doing anything new that it just becomes kind of like the sum of many parts. And even like lifts dialogue directly, verbatim, from other teen movies. Like yeah. um, at the end where Rebecca Gay Hart whispers, eat shit. That is from Pretty in Pink, the gym scene. Um, uh, there's a part where Fern May is making all the guy under a car and he says, I figured your ass was too precious for vinyl. That is lifted from some kind of wonderful and it's wow. yeah <laughs> <John Hughes movies. laughs> yeah. yeah and it's just but they just just remove put it in a new context and like that's the joke yeah. and is i don't know yeah, it's, like, it's like it's it's different it's not really an homage and it's not really um like referencing it either yeah. it's kind of just like trying to steal it maybe and without anybody noticing yeah exactly exactly and then the guy who directed it like did like nothing else uh, yeah Stein. whereas the director of heathers um uh he it's funny because i kind of feel like heathers is the movie of like an auteur like somebody who has like Definitely. a distinct yeah. eye but the rest of his career i think it seems like michael L- i don't know how to pronounce it like lehman or yeah. lemon um he was just kind of a director for hire he did yeah. like Airheads, that Brendan yeah, Fraser. I remember, I remember seeing that on Comedy yeah. Central. Yeah, totally. Um, it's definitely something you watch on Comedy Central in the middle of the afternoon. <laughs> yeah, I mean that. Yeah, I mean that was, that movie was like Brendan Fraser was a star, even though it had like Adam Sandler in it. Yeah, like, that's how early nineties it is. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. Adam Sandler wasn't even a starring man yet. But yeah, it's odd to me where I'm just like both of these guys like didn't really. They have these movies that are like very, at least like aesthetically very stylish and like di- like distinct and like, mm-hmm. um, but they didn't really, they don't really have a the style. Sub- beyond the these substance movies. isn't there with Jawbreaker. It really is like an uh, an exercise in style yeah. over substance. Yeah, <laughs> Jawbreaker feels like the closing chapter of that type of movie. Totally. Yeah. Like we, just, I feel I can't think of like a campy teen movie. In that same, like, there are some, like, Jennifer's Body. Mean Girls? Like, and Mean Girls definitely has that, like, you know, the Jawbreaker, like, slow-mo walk down the hallway of the cool girls. But, like, it's funny because then, like, Lindsay Lohan, like, falls into a dumpster with, like, like, her feet, like... Right. (laughs) I mean, it's something more, like, a comedy. Yes. Rather than, Rather than a a satire. It's not not as scathing as these. These, like, Heather's especially has a dark streak. Like, it is, it is kind of a mean, cynical, nihilistic movie. And I think Mean Girls at its core is kind of like 
growth and oh, like yeah. becoming They a just person. needed to play lacrosse and then they stopped being mean. They just yeah. needed to participate in extracurricular <laughs> activities and then they weren't so mean. Exactly. <laughs> it's like the weirdest ending to an otherwise like kind of stellar movie. Yeah. But like, yeah, but Heather's just keeps it like dark. Like mm-hmm. the, the, the moral, there is no moral to Heather's. It's no. just sort of like makes you feel... Not gr- I I did at one point I wrote down a note watching it halfway through I was like okay I'm starting to feel a little gross <laughs> yeah it's extremely it's, nihilistic and I think and... it's because it's like it's a mirror almost like holding one up I was feeling gross about myself I think more than like <laughs> watching the movie so one of the reasons that I wanted to watch Heather's I had I I haven't seen it since high school and I I mean I watched it in a class in high school like I had a pop culture like awareness class oh my goodness I would love to watch that for school yeah (laughs) and I'm watching it now A like I'm like how did we watch this without like a permission slip Mm -hmm. right Uh, there's the funeral scene where they're like all saying prayers over like the the, uh, first victim yeah Uh, and like the football player is like Jesus God in heaven why'd you have to kill such hot snatch it's a joke man like (laughs) I watched this in the high school. Yeah. <laughs> and no permission slip for that, huh? No, no permission, permission slip. slip. No, I, at least I don't remember. No <laughs> heads up. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I remember not really liking the movie in high school. But I think because it was like a forest from the trees sort of situation where it was, it, it seemed too formulaic to me in high school. Like I mm-hmm. felt like they were just connecting dots. Like I know where this story is going. I know what this is about. Because, you know, when you're in high school, everyone's like, if there's ever any violence, it's, like, all hands on deck. Yeah. Right. So, like, we were always, like, brought aware of, like, you know, uh, if anybody says, you know, something, like, they're going to commit violence, you got to, you know, if you see something, say something yeah. sort of thing. So, I, for, when I watched in high school, I was like, eh, you know, this is just, like, a, an awareness video. Like, that's what it felt like to yeah. me. Yeah. But, I mean, that was 14 years ago that I've seen it. And I was, one of the reasons that I wanted to do this is, like, it's been so long since I've watched it, I kind of want to, like, reassess it. And watching it now, like, it really was, like, a four from the trees. Like, I, I watched it, I'm like, oh, no, this was just, like, it was real. Like, yeah. it, even though it's, like, bombastic and, like, things are sort of out of proportion, like, mm-hmm. the main center story still strikes as very real. I'm like, oh, man, I just, I had just no sense of sympathy. In yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it better. This is my second time watching it, too. And I actually, I liked it way better this time, mm-hmm. this time through, um, even though it made me feel icky about halfway through. But um, I like uh, I like its mean streak. I like that it's, like, not uh, not forgiving of any of these characters. Like, yeah. Winona, you, like, when they're at the uh, the football player's funeral and, like, Christian Slater's like, I wonder how he'd feel if his son was alive yeah. and they start laughing. I love my dead son. Yeah, and then she turns and sees, like, the little girl crying. Yeah. It's like, this is really complicated moral ground yeah. now. You know, like, mm-hmm. this movie is really forcing you to examine like what is dark comedy yeah that that little girl crying like changes the tone of that scene totally the dad like saying i love my dead gay son like we're laughing and crying at the same time and then you see that like little girl and you're like okay i gotta stop laughing yeah entirely yeah Yeah, that there actually is sort of like um real lives being touched by this violence yeah and um and yeah i even like i've because I hate Kurt and Ram, the football players, so oh, much, yeah. and I yeah. think they just seem like vile sociopaths and like and and total fucking rapists. Um, I don't yeah. know if you remember, but the the, the the like the the part after the um after Heather Chandler's funeral, uh, where um 
I'm going to call her Yellow Heather. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Where Yellow Heather and Veronica go cow tipping with Kurt and Ram. Which never <laughs> has happened no, I, no one has ever tipped. I wrote that down, by the way. Is cow tipping a real thing? No. It's um, never. It, if there was, it would be a million videos on YouTube of it. Yeah. It has never happened. Yeah. Good point. Um, but yeah, after the cow tipping happens, it very abruptly um, cuts to this um, shot of like a very, very coercive. Totally. Like shot of like I, I forget which one's which, um, uh, but yeah, uh, Heather just being like pinned to the ground, yeah. and it, it's fucked up. And then the next day, like Kurt and Ram have told everybody that like they just like both shoved their dicks in Veronica's face, yeah. and I'm like, and I'm just thinking, I don't fucking care if those fuckers <laughs> fucking die. And there's a part where, um, so after it happens. Um, and Veronica and JD are, uh, are in the car kind of like processing the aftermath. Right. Um, he says something like, um, Kurt and Ram had nothing to offer this world, but like date rape and, and AIDS, AIDS jokes. Rape. And I was just like, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Fucking kill them. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I think that that, that, uh, the scene where they actually do murder them in the woods, although, um, uh, Noni thinks that they are just, oh God, they they with blanks. With, with, um, ich luge bullets, which, um, ich luge in, um, in German means I lie. Right? Oh, <laughs> very players. clever. Very Good clever. Job, <laughs> Um, uh, and so I think, yeah, w- one of them has been, has been shot already by, uh, by Christian Slater and the other one is getting away because, you know, and Ryder didn't think that anything was, oh, yeah, she like, whatever. In his general and then she's yeah. left with this like corpse right. and it's very striking. Like she's left with an actual like dead eyed, like bleeding corpse and I'm like, oh, okay. Okay, all right, so this is real, and this is, like, violence with consequences, and this isn't just, like, fun satire, and... Yeah, um, which is good black comedy, I think, like, because you're still... Like, that scene when the the cops, the stoned cops, come Mm -hmm. and, like, discover them, the first thing... uh, I don't know, it's funny, because it's, like... The whole mineral water thing I thought was kind of stupid at first, yeah. but uh, then it, like you get the payoff when they find yeah, it, they and they're like, out. And they, go, they were fags! Oh, but also, what's so <laughs> funny is that they leave this evidence bag of their homosexuality, and they never point out that the bag itself is evidence. It is a Georgia O'Keeffe, like, oh, is it? <laughs> there's a Georgia O'Keeffe painting oh, on the bag, God. and like, oh, okay, oh. so you've got like... Like a uh, mineral water in there, but it's in like a oh, Georgia <laughs> O'Keeffe bag. <laughs> I didn't notice it until last night. I was like, mm, mm, oh, I'm going to bring that funny. up. I'm going to talk about that that Georgia O'Keeffe gift bag. <laughs> I didn't notice that. Yeah, I didn't notice that either. <laughs> I think it's a great example of dark comedy when the when the cops do come up and show up and like say like, oh, the mineral water thing, because it's like it's sad. First of all, that the cops would think that, but then it's funny because it's like, oh yeah, the mineral water is. Like, a sign of being gay at this time, you know? Like, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's yeah. definitely a, a laugh because it's horrible situation. Yeah, exactly. Like what dark humor does best, I guess. <laughs> they go, oh my god, they were fags. Oh, the humanity. Yeah, oh, the humanity. <laughs> um, and the late 80s had a very strange, naive relationship with mineral water. Yeah. There's another movie. Um, it's with Leah Thompson and Andrew Dice Clay, and it's called Casual Sex? Question mark. Yeah. Casual sex. And it takes place in like a, a, a health resort. And there's our, our listenership can't tell the face that <laughs> it, looks like, was, it looks like you but, just took a bite of something that was something sour and putrid. <laughs> Not expired. Yeah, but casual sex? 
question mark. Casual sex. And I believe it also, yes, it also stars Victoria Jackson, who was like... Um, oh, from SNL, who yes, later went on to be crazy conservative? Who, yes, and who, who says that, like, Obama was literally the Antichrist. Yeah, yeah so she's in this. But there was, like, a, um, a, a very hilarious representation of mineral water in that movie where they... Um, are literally ladling it out of a spring <laughs> and passing cups to the people at the health spa and they're sipping it and being like, bleh, gross. <laughs> it's like, what do you guys think mineral water is? Anyway, I just I made that connection. I was like, God, the late 80s, they just did not know what to do about mineral water. Man, how did Perrier make it through those hard times? <laughs> oh. Right? Surviving Perrier. only on the revenue from... And talking rain. <laughs> Yeah. Did they, did they, did, maybe they did a rebrand in the mid '90s that made it uh, like extreme, sort of like to drink mineral water. And, totally. And then, like, suddenly, there's like this demo of college dudes who're like, "Oh, I love mineral water. Mineral water, love stayed hydrated." Anyway, yeah. Anyway, yeah, mineral water. No. There was no mineral water in Jawbreaker that I remember. No, I don't think so. Uh, but what it maybe did have, what it lacked in mineral water, it made up for in gross Marilyn Manson. Oh. What a little pervert. Like, what a little, like, smarmy pervert. Could you design a grosser-looking human being than Marilyn Manson? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Slick they, back hair, <laughs> thick mustache that, like... This yeah. move was like... Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. I know, totally. Like, let me let me clear off a seat for you. Uh, <laughs> wiping off my face. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's when they were... Da- when Rose McGowan... And- that's right. Were they married or were they dating? I don't think or? they were married. Okay. I just remember what was at the VMAs when she was, like, in the, like, the... That see-through lacy ass thing. Oh, That's it was just right. chains. It was just chains, oh, okay. I think. Okay. Or that was how I saw it. But she just had like this dress that like uh, was uh, kind of like like chain mail, kind of like solid but drapey on the front, and then was just tra- chains going across the back. I remember it with, yeah. with her, with her, with her lovely, with her lovely figure on display. She's <laughs> yeah. very lovely. Like yeah, uh, Manson was like arm and toe, like. Accompanying her, I don't. Remember, I think he was just wearing something stupid and normal. He's wearing a purple suit. Oh. <laughs> you no, know I'd wear that. I'm just off. realizing that he is like one of three men, basically in Jawbreaker. We don't get a lot of dudes, no. which is great. I mean, yeah, but, yeah. But he has no lines, and he's no. credited, but Judy Greer isn't. What? Really? What the fuck? Right, I know. I know Pam Greer's credited. Is she is is she in the opening credits? Is she credit? She must be. She yeah, she's has gotta to be. be I guess I'm, I'm just thinking like the cover. I'm gonna of write the, a letter yeah. of complaint. <laughs> Dear Dan Stein or whatever. The <laughs> Dear I guess. I mean, I guess she's credited in the beginning, but I just it's just funny that like. You know, I feel like Marilyn Manson is is a big deal when when talking about this movie. Like, oh, he's he's a part of it. Yeah. When he like he doesn't even have any lines. No, he has no lines. Well, he's someone tells like me he's not a very good actor. Yeah, I think he might not be. <laughs> How are your feelings of the leading ladies outside these roles? Like, what what's your what's your Nona uh, uh, Fifi's and what's your uh, <laughs> Rose McGowan uh, uh, feelings outside the movies? Um, I, or these two movies. I love Winona Ryder. Okay. Um, I do not think she's a good actress. I think that she does not have um, a, a whole lot of range. No. Um, but I don't know. It's like I don't care that she's not a good actress. I think that. Um, she was so important to me as like an adolescent, like 
Because at the time, I thought that, like, Winona Ryder is, like, stunningly beautiful. When I was a teenager, I thought she was, like, very, like, I'm like, that's, like, an, that's like a realistic goal for me is to, like, just be Winona Ryder when I get out of adolescence. <laughs> I'm going to be Winona Ryder. I mean, I already kind of have, like, I know she had, like, a cool sense of style. I remember um, she wore this mm-hmm. awesome, like, like purple Prada dress to, like, some award show. And I had my mom sew me, like, a replica of her Prada dress oh, to wear wow. to her I was, ve- I was very a into, Prota. like, a Prada, a Prada, Prada. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I, uh, uh, I, I just, I love Winona Ryder. Um, I, that was I Be- think Beetlejuice that... came out, like, right before that, Yeah, right? I think, like, a yeah. year before. So it's like, yeah. if you're on she board was, for that... I think she was still, like, literally a teenager, and Beetlejuice, like, 19. Okay. Yeah. And then I think for... Heather, she was like 20, 21 or something at okay. that point. And I hear that she had the name Westerberg High after Paul Westerberg. I, I, oh. I love that piece of trivia because I could just totally see Winona Ryder, like to like 20 something Winona Ryder, like rolling up and like being like, hey guys, I'm really into this band. <laughs> <laughs> like, not, not a huge demand, just like, I only have one thing. We need to call it Westerberg High because like Paul Westerberg from their life. So, <laughs> I just, I love that. I love her kind of having that like, like being able to like ask that yeah. at all. <laughs> yeah, she was big enough at that point that they could, she could make that one small script change, which is funny. Yeah, I just uh, Winona Ryder is just so she she's not a good actress. Um, uh, uh, Stranger Things is. Um, uh, I mean, I'm I'm glad she. I'm, I'm always glad when when Winona Ryder gets work. Um, but like <laughs> she hit that a rough patch there, and I don't did. know if it was. The, the, Necessarily due to the kleptomania, or if it's just that. And I love no the kleptomania. For... I love it. I love that she's all like, "I'm going to steal from like Fred Siegel," and then they found that she had like a bunch of like um, opium-based painkillers in her purse. And I was like, "My God, I go!" <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, no! I just I um uh, I remember like watching Stranger Things, which I have a, I I did not like that show that much I had the same kind of issues with it that I have with Jawbreaker where I'm like you're just making references and people get excited when they can identify them totally. um, but uh, uh, I just <laughs> I think what I like about Nona Ryder is that her acting skills are at like the same level as mine like she plays a grieving mom the way I would play a grieving mom <laughs> like in um, in Stranger Things when they tell her that they found like her missing son's bicycle, and this should be like a very, like, like pathos-filled scene, and just she just kind of scoffs and rolls her <laughs> eyes a little bit, and she goes, "So is there like blood on it or something?" <laughs> and I was like, "That's how I would do grieving mom, Noni. Yeah, you got it. But this but, is more <laughs> inconvenience. Yeah, than... totally. Do I have to come get the bike? Or <laughs> I, 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 totally. I'm like, All right, we're well, not just." Think about if you had a child. I guess I I just want to see her play a mom because I was like I can't see yeah. it, and then I was like, oh no, it's just her being Winona. It's great. I want to say, and then good on her for being able to like make that transition because I think there's a lot of like that's hard for like, for ladies to make that from like young you know roles such as these, and then like transition, keep being an actress, you know, and then like. On. The official, I feel like the official transition was in Black Swan, and I feel it was very deliberate to have her playing like an aging ballerina. Yeah, and so it's yeah. like Natalie Portman is being this. She's like, "Well, I'm the new indie waif ingenue, and like yeah. I'm taking your place." And I get it was very deliberate, but I'm so glad that Winona was game for it. I would say either that or when she played Spock's mom. I was oh, going to say, Spock's don't mention mom. that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, feelings on uh, Rose. I kind of lost track of her. I don't know. I just, 
I want to like her. I feel like she was kind of supposed to be like a gothier, like Shannon Doherty type. Actually, while I was watching John Breaker, I was like, I feel like if this movie was made just five years earlier, they would have had Shannon Doherty. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> she couldn't get out of her charm contract. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Holy shit, hold on. Did they... <laughs> Did Rose McGowan replace Shannon Doherty on Charm? I don't think it was a replace, or at least not like a direct like. Because I don't Dick remember them being in the same replacement. I, I think it was okay. like maybe as like Shannon Doherty would like had a foot out the door. They're like, we need to introduce a new character. Oh, oh my god! god. I should, that, for the record, <laughs> I have never seen a single episode of Charm. I have not either. I just know what the cover art looks like, yeah. and I'm like, oh my god, she there's one the where Shannon Doherty's in it, and then there's one where it's Rose McGowan. Could this be like the missing link between the two movies? Like, is this like a headcanon thing where the, the two movies are like linked somehow? Oh my maybe. god! <laughs> Fan fiction. <laughs> that that might be one thing that blinds me with Jawbreakers. My love for Rose McGowan mm. might blind me a little bit. Yeah. Because I feel like she's the bitchy queen that, like, I know I would be if I had the figure for it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, if I had, like, Rose McGowan's body, I'd act just like she does in Jawbreaker. Oh, yeah. She yeah. Has, I really do. Okay, so one line I really do like from Jawbreaker is when they're, like, at lunch with Violet mm-hmm. and they're, you know, telling her not to eat, blah, blah, blah. And finally, oh, when it's yeah. all, like, settled, she goes, like, I better never have kids. I have, like, zero patience. <laughs> That's a good line. Yes, no, that is a really what good I, line. I, I like about Jawbreaker, I think they kind of dive into, like, the politics. Like, with Heathers, it's almost, like, incidental. It's like, they, they cut a big one down, and, like, three little ones grow in its place. Right. Yeah. Uh, where there's, like, with Jawbreaker, it's more it's more house of cards. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's more cunning and by design. Right. And, and you know, there, there's more uh, intention to, to the, the sinister deeds in this. Yeah. Where Heather's is like unintended consequences. This is like, yeah, by design. You know, like Judy Hur once she like tasted power, she wanted all she could get. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and watching Jawbreaker this time, I felt at first I was like, Oh, you know, Rose McGowan didn't really get her comeuppance. I, I you know, she kind of got off easy. But then I thought back to that food conversation how, like, they don't eat because just, like, the idea of eating conjures up images of acne and grease and things yeah. like that. Uh, and then, like, at the end, she gets that picture taken of her where she's all ugly and her highlighter's running and her mm-hmm. hair's blown back and I don't even know what fan was on. <laughs> uh, but I was like, oh, no, she's being uh, immortalized in her most ugly, you know, period in her mm-hmm. life. Yeah. Uh, or her, her ugliest moment. So it's like, oh, that is sort of a comeuppance for someone who is so, you know, uh, uh, wrapped up in her appearance mm-hmm. to and be immortalized like that. And there's a thing too with like being popular is, and I don't want to sound like I'm I'm on their side. I think that they're monsters, but like there is there's like a scene in Heather's, and I guess like when you mentioned the the food thing, there's kind of like being popular is is its own punishment is kind of a theme mm-hmm. between these two where it's like. Which is how I kind of feel about, like, running for office. Like, yeah. That's why, like, what, uh, like I said, like, House of Cards, because it just seems like they hate what they're doing. They just don't know any different. Or it's, like, it's also the only thing that gives them pleasure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's weird. It was, like, Heather C., Red Heather, um, when, after she 
is forced to give the dude a blowjob. Yes, I was gonna kind of mention like, this. The, um, um, yeah, a weird like like um like under like a Maxell poster, yeah, like the Maxell yeah, yeah. like logo of the guy reclining in a chair. It seems like she's not super thrilled about. No, it. no, and she like spits on the mirror yeah, but and she like spits at herself. Yeah. Like she looks at herself, and it's almost like this disgust. No, I'm so glad you brought that up. I was gonna bring it up and be like, all right, guys, hot take. Heather Chandler <laughs> may be kind of sympathetic because once yeah. she's outside of her. Uh, outside of high school, and she's been setting up like a college party. She's j- like, she's just like as disempowered yeah. as like the people that she torments because like the real hierarchy of like the real world is like men can just fucking like make you yeah. give them blowjobs. And, yeah. and you notice in the college scene, she's not wearing her scrunchie of power. She is not her wearing her scrunchie of power. Yeah. It's loose. She's it's, she's it's taking gone. a risk. Yeah, and, yeah. and then. Yeah, oh, that scene is so sad. That it is, is sad. So like, sad. I forgot. I didn't. I don't remember that from the first time I saw it. But watching it this time, it's like, it's definitely a comment on like, she hates herself a mm-hmm. little yeah. bit, you know. Yeah. And it's like, regardless of its of of why it's it's there, you know. And it's like it makes her a little more sympathetic because it's like mm-hmm. she's she hates herself and she she takes it out on others because of that. Um, do we get that with Rose as well? Well, with Rose, Aww. like she's definitely just power hungry like, well cause you see that in like her one encounter or maybe she has oh no she has a couple encounters with guys cause Marilyn Manson's one of them but like the, the studly dude that like she makes like fillet the popsicle oh yeah, yeah. where like, she right. says she's, I'm kinda kinky <laughs> like it's possible like it's a dick yeah she's like doing like a, a power imbalance thing she's like you have to submit to like whatever I say and then you will be rewarded yeah 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 uh, so no there, I don't think there's any I mean if there is self hatred it's you know, underneath a bunch of narcissism and, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know, power-hungry tendencies. Yeah. Can we talk about the dudes in Jawbreaker? Because there's yeah. one in particular. <laughs> okay. I don't even... I did literally not just even... the one. Yeah. Letters. There's, like, two with lines. <laughs> I escaped the, the one that's, like, Rebecca Gayhart's, like... <laughs> with the most 90s hair ever? Yeah, I was like, okay, I literally started screaming, ew, Because <laughs> he was just like this, like, um, uh, low-rent Ethan Hawke, if that's even possible. Oh, yeah. I consider Ethan Hawke to be a little low-rent low himself. Rent, yeah. um, but uh, he's got, like, that, that hair parted down the middle, tucked behind the ears, like, no facial hair, like, on like uh, except for on the chin. Little, just like a, a, little, oh, a, a, a smattering of yeah. hair on the, on the chin. He's a high school. Cooler, you know, mm-hmm. we tried pumping like, out that facial hair. I but... feel like his look in the movie is like behind the times, though. Oh, it's so behind the times. He feels more mid '90s than late yeah. '90s to me. Yeah, he he's, he felt a little. It took me out a little bit, even because it's like you're like from the past. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, and like late '90s, um, uh, the fashion job breaker is definitely doing that like uh, '90s does '60s sort of thing that was very big yeah. in late '90s, like. Yeah. Um, Rebecca Gay Hart's fashion mm-hmm. in Jawbreaker is is very kind of like '90s to '60s mod. She's got like this immaculate hair that's kind of flipped out. She's right. got like big uh, sunglasses with pink frames and like a headband on, and like a little like powder blue jacket with like a, uh, a mandarin color. Um, yeah, I uh, I definitely noticed that also. Um, a little bit with Judy Greer, not quite so much because I feel like 
Hers is like very a, a little more Liberace, <laughs> um, but yeah, they definitely. I and I think that Rose McGowan was kind of doing um, a sort of uh, Russ Meyer Valley of the Dolls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, yeah. Now that you think the about fashion's it. really like the best part of Jawbreaker. It's yeah. very, oh, yeah. very exciting. <laughs> I mean, that mo- I will give that movie an A plus for style. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's, and Imperial Teen. Yeah. Oh, God, I love that song. The soundtrack is so good. The oh, soundtrack is yeah, amazing. Imperial Teen, Veruca Salt. It's so, so good. There's so many good ones. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that might be one thing is like Jawbreaker might just like hit like my nostalgia sweet spot like, mm-hmm. like that I don't even know existed. Yeah. Uh, the soundtrack is good. I was like 14 or 15 when that movie came out so that might just hit like a specific period in time for me but yeah, it's like I hear, you know, woohoo, and like I am instantly like transported back to like a specific time and place. Yes. Yeah. But not to the time and place that Jawbreakers takes place in, because I don't know what high school they're going to. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Imperial Teen open for Chivo Motto in like 1998. Wow. It was amazing. <laughs> sounds great. That sounds really 90s, but it sounds great. Very yeah. 90s. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess the thing I was going to say is like, it, there were just, it, felt a little bit sometimes like they were just trying to get to the next song, mm-hmm. you know? It's oh, like, totally. <laughs> there were some times where it's just like, let's just hurry this scene up so we can start playing a new song, yeah, and then, yeah. like, gotta keep this attention span of this youth, you know, like, moving. We want this soundtrack to be two CDs! Yeah. Two CDs! <laughs> like Forrest Gump! <laughs> was my, a double soundtrack. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. My favorite album ever, disc two, Forrest Gump soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, but kind of. <laughs> um, I was kind of like half uh, half-heartedly taking notes during Jawbreaker, and I wrote down uh, um, uh, the words "ghost nipples" because there's, <laughs> it's the part where so they've like staged the um, the accidental murder of their friend as like. A murder, rape, like, yeah. <laughs> just for fun. Yeah. Like, yeah, the one weird thing about Jawbreaker is that there's, like, um, there's, like, at least in Heather's, there's, like, immediate kind of remorse when they realize what's happening. And um, with Jawbreaker, Rebecca Gayhart's, like, the, the, you know, the... The only sane one. The only <laughs> and sane she's ostracized for her sanity. Yeah, yeah, and also she's boring, and it makes me so sad. Because <laughs> at least, like, Veronica's, like, like sane, like, and, like, um, uh, has, like, a... Like, yeah, she, she, she's very torn about everything that she's being dragged into. Um, yeah, like, uh, uh, Russ McGowan is just kind of like, uh. Eh. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, she's... We need to cover this up. <laughs> well, she's sort of like Christian Slater. Christian Slater didn't really show remorse that much. That's true. Yeah, he actually sounded a lot like Steve Bannon. Like, in his, like, closing monologue where he's like, destroy the state! Oh, I don't know if he actually said that, but he may as well have said that. Oh, but ghost nipples! Okay, so... <laughs> They've staged, they've staged a rape murder, and um, uh, word has gotten around the school and gotten to the families, and um, Rebecca Gayhart is coming home, and she, like, looks at her pool, <laughs> she has, she has, like, two, like, I, I believe, it sounds like Massey Star, there's, like, a... Right. Uh, a really just sort of like excruciating acoustic Massey Starish song playing, and she's looking in her pool, and um, ostensibly having like a flashback to when Liz, the girl that they have killed, was in her pool. Right. And she's 
just standing in the pool, like with a, a, a camisole on and no bra, with like erect nipples, and it just seemed so looking a lot like of... Nev Campbell coming out of the pool in Wild Things. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, is it really necessary to have her erect nipples? It, it confused me with like, who is this movie made for? Like the male gaze, yeah. not, not the G-A-Z, not G-A-Y-S. It's oh, obviously no. <laughs> made for the male gaze, G-A-Y. <laughs> well, do you think they purposely made like? Do you think there was like prop people being like, let's keep those ice cubes coming? It's, it's, well, it's, it or do you think like that maybe was, the pool was just cold? Well, then why isn't she annoying. wearing a bra? Why isn't she wearing a bra? It's <laughs> it is a weird thing for you to remember your friend by though. If you think about just like, oh yeah, my friend, my dead friend who I just called this morning friend. was sexy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, what is with these ghost nipples? I just, I was just to ghost nipples talk about this. We're gonna talk about this weird. It was just bizarre. Think... Just the tone is kind of all over the place. Yeah, yeah. That well, and like the movie. I thought it was funny that this movie. I mean, this is good on Jawbreaker, where there's two speaking roles that are males. The rest of the movie <laughs> is all women, which yeah. is like kind of cool. The first, yeah. first male voice doesn't even come. Unless you count Yuhu, um, until they, like Violet's transformation, mm. and there's like that weird. That's a really weird scene. Oh, it's like, like steampunk, like Elephant Man, like, like poetry. I, I, I yeah, I did not understand. It it. But like, it seems like if you were a producer for this movie. Like, I would toss this to a lady director. Like, yeah. it just seems like if there's so few men and like men interest in this movie, why would you even like? bother with a male director like that just seems it's I, if i was the producer i'd definitely be gunning for a lady director yeah. i think it'd be yeah. a totally different movie you know yeah i feel like the late 90s were maybe not quite there yet although i don't know sometimes sometimes i feel like the late 90s were better no <laughs> where we are now one of the movies so jawbreaker i just saw you know first first time like two three years ago something mm. i watched can't hardly wait around the same time oh shit and that movie is Bad. Like there is nothing. Thank you. I have friends that are adamant about about its many virtues, and I and I cannot. I just cannot indulge this. One of the things while watching it is a how homophobic it is because there's like the the joke that they're gonna like prank one guy. He's gonna like pass out, and they're gonna make it look like he was like doing gay stuff when he passed out, and that's like the ultimate prank. Uh, But also, it's like the. I, I don't think it passes the Bechtel test. I think none of the women really talk to one another without talking about a male character. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and really, I think Jennifer Love Hewitt's boobs get more screen time than her face oh. does. <laughs> her sad, sad oh. face. <laughs> oh, I'm so sad. <laughs> and and, and Ethan Embry's all like, oh, I love you. And we're like, oh, um, oh, did you put a, like, a really arty spin on the fact that you're just like obsessed with her tits? Yeah. Like, oh, did, can you talk about Kurt Vonnegut or something? Oh, wow. Wow. She's so lucky that like a soulful man looked at her tits. <laughs> but yeah, that was when I, when I would watch Can't Hardly Wait, it made me realize like how kind of conservative the late 90s actually were. This is true. Yeah. I was like, oh, wow. Like they really were not like socially progressive, like in the slightest, like. And nobody yeah. would say anything. Like no one calls out can't hardly wait for how sexist it is. It's so gross. Like even like the one cool character is sort of like beholden to Seth Green, like Lauren what? Ambrose. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's like you have a cool character, but all she wants to do is like get attention from like the stoner loser dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a shame. And of course the redhead's the stoner loser dude. Uh, <laughs> Hollywood. Oh Seth Green, how tall is he? <laughs> 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 he looks very small. <laughs> 
Um, do you guys want to take a break for a minute? Yeah, I can go. Yeah. I can get another beer. Probably break and some music real quick. Debbie Mazar's in it for like that's right yeah she's spice Debbie Mazar should have been in Jawbreaker Jesus (laughs) she would have been a good addition I love Debbie Mazar God what if she was just like the counselor or something I know although Carol Kane oh my god we didn't even talk about once about Carol Kane that's a great jumping off point Uh, so Carol Kane I wanted Carol Kane who uh, I know best from Princess Bride She was also uh, in When a Stranger Calls. Mm. We've traced a call. It's coming from inside the house. I just watched that for the first time. I, I think it was maybe six months ago. No, that movie is like uh, uh, really perfectly 70s. It's like that, uh, you know, that like like babysitter story where like... The calls come oh, inside the house. Come in. oh, yeah, that yeah, is like yeah, yeah, yeah. That was her. Yeah. yeah. And like, it's Carol Kane yeah, as like a like baby. A she's like, hello. And then like, it's like, he like, like he tracks her down like years later or something. So she yeah. has to play herself older too. Yeah. Um, but I, oh my God. I, okay. I love, so Carol Kane's obviously a wonderful character actress and I don't want to just like reduce her to hair, but I love her hair. It really <laughs> has not changed throughout the years either. Like if you watch The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, like. She's got basically the same hair. Yeah. A little and grayer, she plays, but... Um, she, and and she's, uh, she has a bit part in a second season episode of, of, of Girls. Okay. And um, she's in Adam's AA group, and, like, she's amazing. Oh, my God. But, like, her hair manages to be, like, uh, simultaneously abundant and weightless. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, there's a ton of it, but it's, like, cotton candy. And I'm like, what do I do to get my... Like, I, that's, like... like I basically want to know, is there any way I can put no effort into styling my hair and make it look like Carol Kane's hair? Because that's, uh, let me know what I need to do. Years of not washing. (laughs) You just go into the stylist, you're like, give me the Carol Kane. Give me the Carol Kane, thank you. (laughs) I just, I love her voice. I mean, like, that's so distinctive. And it's like, what is that? Is that a speech impediment? Or... (laughs) Is that an accent? I can't tell. It's like the most New York accent you can get. Yeah, and she just can't. Like, she's never left Brooklyn. (laughs) It's so, I don't know. It's like, as soon as you hear that voice, you just know who who you're listening to. And I guess while we're talking about guest stars or cameos in Jawbreaker with with good hair, uh, Pam Greer's hair is... Uh, pretty Ooh. wild. I mean, uh, I don't think Pam Grier ever stopped being like awesome head to toe. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah, she she definitely. She's kind of a bad cop in the movie, though. Now that I'm thinking about it, well, she doesn't she... solve anything. If I remember, <laughs> she definitely like... takes Rose McGowan at her word. Yeah. but she is a terrible actress in all ways. <laughs> Even though Carol Kane's like, oh no. Her mom called and said that the girl was sick and couldn't come in that day. Like, she never investigates that line. No. She's no, just she like, actually, we've got this dude, and there's, like, we've semen stains on the, on the, you know. Uh, oh, I, I do have a question about, like, the the uh, the sex, like, uh, how Rose McGowan was, like, trying to make it look like a murder rape, mm-hmm. and so she gets Marilyn Manson to come over to, like, bang her on the bed. Yeah. Yes. How come her fluids aren't everywhere? <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, like, why Good aren't her pukes just, like, littered over? Why? Yeah, why isn't it just, like, yeah. a smattering of pubes? <laughs> like, a smattering of hair on the chin of Rebecca Gay Hart's Like, does she manage to, like, get boned by Marilyn Manson without, like, perspiring or shedding a little mm. skin? I mean, I, I would definitely break a sweat if Marilyn Manson leaned over. It me. just seems like sloppy police work all the way <laughs> yeah, across the board here. Definitely. <laughs> like, oh, the, oh th- there are a couple other cameos that are just like nothing cameos. A cameo from PJ Souls oh, from right. um, uh, Rock and Roll High School and um, uh, Halloween, among other things. And then um, William Cadden plays Tommy Ross and Carrie because that movie has a lot of Carrie. Jawbreaker has a ton of Carrie uh, references. But seriously. All they so they're credited. All they do is walk in as Liz, the the the, uh, the murdered girl's parents, and go Liz, and that's it. <laughs> that's that's right. it. John Baker does kind of that feel that's like, oh, there's a bunch of cool actresses or actors and actresses who are just kind of hanging out. Let's see if we can find a role for them. Yeah, real quick. Yes. yeah. And then, oh, there's another parent played by uh, Jeff Conway who plays uh, Kinnicky in Greece. So they're just kind oh. of trying to like, they're just. Throwing, they're casting a wide net of like how many movies with teenagers in them can we yeah. somehow like kind of reference and it's yeah. like yeah but um the 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 cameo where all they do is say Liz <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm like oh do they just like wake up PJ Souls are like you have to go on <laughs> William Cat come on he's like okay <laughs> I'm ready I'm ready, I'm ready. <laughs> it's like shoving craft services in his mouth. Piper Laurie's in it, but as like uncredited librarian. <laughs> I guess there's not so so much in Heather's. Although the friend that Wynona that Noni invites to play croquet, that was like Betty her friend. Finn. Yeah, Betty Finn is um one of is is uh, Martin Sheen's daughter. What? I say yeah, something weird. She's related to like the Estevez Charlie Sheen group. She's like their sister, I think. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if that's a cameo thing or, or what. Or if it's just another story. I don't, I don't know if yeah. it's a cameo of all we can say if she's like tertiarily related to the Sheens, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> we'll have to verify that. We do a lot of fact checking on this podcast. Well, we, we, we say we need to fact check. I don't think we've ever corrected ourselves. Um, like Patrick Stewart being in uh, Roadhouse. Yeah. Why? Oh no, he is not in that movie. That's our fact checker. <laughs> fact checked. I want. Oh, I wanted to talk about the scene. I feel like the grown-ups in Heather's yes. are kind of are really depicted as kind of dumb, which yeah. is like how a teenager feels about parents, like adults in mm-hmm. general. I feel like they're just kind of like you guys are awful. The only moment that I notice where adults really get their just dues is when. Um, have, uh, Veronica's mom is like when teenagers complain that they want to be treated like human beings it's usually because they are being treated like human beings and then she's of course she goes right back and is like more pate more pate like, like there's this moment where she just flips where she flips the switch almost and is just like you're not special like life sucks yeah get over it and uh, I liked I liked that moment a lot <laughs> this yeah. is the one where one of the Heathers comes in and is like ooh pate yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have pate at Veronica's house all the time <laughs> so much pate so, so much 
Oh, and then her, 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 her dad is just like, well, somebody tell me why I read these spy novels. Because yeah. you're an idiot. Because <laughs> you're a oh, dad. Oh, that's right. You just too. Like, yeah. Or like JD's dad is also depicted as like some weird, oh, yeah. Low up sociopath. Psychopath. <laughs> yeah, oh, my God. Crazy. We all have like that friend who's like, parents like definitely like were not cut out to be parents mm-hmm. yeah who like it came upon them as like accident and like they don't treat their kids like they're, they're not authority figures for their kids they, they're like i don't want to say like peers but like the way that jd and his dad talk like it was definitely there wasn't a level of authority there like, yeah his dad's presence like didn't like strike fear into his heart or like make him change his behavior yeah. mm-hmm. like they had like a banter and it was sort of like you know uh, you stay out of my hair, I'll stay out of your hair. Uh, I feel like he maybe murdered his mom. Like, I, I, yeah, I, I, I kind of could kind tell of that. Where he's like, last time I saw my mother, she was waving at me from a library window. And I'm like, and then the, the building library blew up. blew up because your dad killed her, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And like, yeah. Um, uh, and, and his dad, like, also, like, is like, um, this, like, uh, the CEO or some authority of, like, a, a construction company. Yeah. And it's, I did not, yeah, I did not quite, I still have not quite, no matter how many times I've watched it, pieced all that together. I'm just like, he's just supposed to be a creepy, a creepy dad in a treadmill. Yeah. Um, uh, and um, I don't know, I think that they're uh, uh, the point of like the sort of uh, detached or clueless adults is just that um, there's nobody watching out for them. There's nobody yeah. that they can, there's no like real authority that they can confide in and be like, this is what's happening. I need someone that's going to like sympathize with me. They, they're all total narcissists. Even the, um, the guidance counselor particularly is a total narcissist. Who's yeah. like, um, I've got this, I've got this girl's suicide note. And like, it's just kind of getting off on like having like a suicide to talk about having something to talk about. Yeah. So it's like the teenagers are just a sort of like, um, or the, the adults are just as like self-obsessed and like like warped as like the teenagers, and so there's really no sort of like grounding force in their lives. Yeah, the, yeah. the parents all seem kind of burnt out on parenting. Yeah, at, at, like the the point that the movie takes place. Like maybe they were good parents at one point, but like they're not anymore, or at least the the kids don't see them as sources for information or yeah. Advice. I guess that's sort of like. Uh, you know like a factor in teen suicide in general is like if there's like nobody you feel like there's your no parents don't care to. yeah and it's like I think maybe they're kind of depicting them in that way so it's like that's why they would do this maybe yeah we'd love to get a load of Heather Chandler's parents though that'd be really interesting yeah we don't really? get to see them at all do no we? no she's just oh yeah I they think couldn't they even bother to like... come to their daughter's funeral oh shit <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I've got a business, very important meeting. Um, it was suicide, darling. She did it to herself. <laughs> yeah, good point. I, yeah, we don't get to see that at all. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of other sort of striking things about the grown-ups in that, other than they're just total, like, myopic self-obsession and yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're not big influences in, in the parents or in the kids' lives yeah you know they they're you know all in like the periphery of the kids or the teenagers and it's funny it, maybe it works in a way that makes you uh sympathize more with the teenagers than with the adults because they're like, sort of on their own i'm definitely many years out of high school i'm gonna say 
<laughs> I'm not going to say how many. But um, the like, in order to get into that mindset, you it, like it helps kind of to be like adults are dumb. Like yeah. I'm sympathizing yeah. with these guys, and this is how they feel maybe about yeah. adults even like not necessarily how they are, but just like because you do feel like adults don't understand when they're yeah. a teenager, you know. And so I think that I don't know they did a good job with that. I also really like the line when she's like, stop patronizing us like a bunch of bunny rabbits. And the dad goes, I don't patronize bunny rabbits. <laughs> and they're like, we've provided for you guys materially and that's it, right? <laughs> yeah, you don't need emotional support, do you? <laughs> yeah, but then we're also talking about like a different movie if suddenly the adults are like really engaged in like active parents. Or yeah, for yeah. It wouldn't be, you wouldn't be able to make it, make it work. <laughs> All right, knowing what you know about Christian Slater. Mm-hmm. I, or, or JD, the the character, not the actor. Mm-hmm. Would you or would you not still bang that? No, uh, no. <laughs> I it's um I I've never quite understood the appeal of Christian Slater. Um, oh really? And this I, is back like, in the day, I definitely see it. <laughs> and he's like, aged pretty well. That's why we're going to see King Cobra. <laughs> yeah. This is like speaking as someone who like one of my like top five movies is Pump Up the Volume. I I would never <laughs> that, that's touch our him podcast, uh, Idol is the Pump Up the Volume. Oh, <laughs> oh I love that. You're going to put, put on some like late era Leonard Cohen. <laughs> Concrete blonde Leonard Cohen. <laughs> he bugs me in this movie because he's basically... He's like doing a Jack Nicholson impression. That's how he acts. Yeah, he's like. Remember, we talked about this from Great Little Toaster. Like I said, I said it was like a Jack Nicholson air conditioning unit, and then I was paused and said, or Christian Slater. But it's like. Depending on your frame of reference. It really bugged me this time This time watching that's it. That's his like, shtick, though. Like any Christian Slater movies like that. Oh, yeah. I guess I've never really noticed it before. But Just narrow your eyes, do your little <laughs> nasally, his... nasally thing. Maybe always sound like you're trailing off at the end of your line. And Oh, God. Who yeah. Was it? The... Just the right time. <laughs> no, I. Um, he just uh, had that perfect head of hair the whole movie. I, I will admit, though, looks wise. There are definitely some stills from the movie I was going through today where I was like, yeah, he's, he's very cute. He's yeah. got pretty cheekbones, but mm-hmm. like... And he has great hair in this movie. Yeah. Let's be honest. Perfect head of hair. I just, I, 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 um, I, I always felt like when I was, when I was growing up, it was like, do you like Christian Slater or do you like Johnny Depp? And I always liked Johnny Depp. I um he. Uh, I am neutral to Johnny Depp for the record. Oh, I do really? not see it. Young Johnny Depp is cute. Oh my god! I saw Crybaby in the theaters. Oh yeah. And I think it like um I had no 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 chance for anything but like being attracted to dudes. Was that was that your sexual awakening? Yes, Just yes. Like, well, like the beginning because he uh, is cute when he gets killed in Nightmare on Elm Street because he's wearing like that like sweater jersey, but like with oh, yeah. like like a midriff. His film thing. debut. Yeah. It was his film debut. Yeah. <laughs> but like, Crybaby is so good. And I just, I love watching old episodes of 21 Jump Street. I watch so much 21 Jump Street. I think, I feel like 21 Jump Street's a good place to kind of say like, so like 90210 came out right after this. Mm-hmm. And that was definitely like a show that dealt with similar issues or took took teen drama seriously I guess is what I'm saying yes and so like Heather's to come right before that it is it's doing the same thing basically in movie form where like you know people are dying and and stuff like that but somehow it doesn't come off as melodrama 
Yeah, nine two one zero is like a soap opera set in high school, right? But Heather's is, I, but it's dealing with a similar idea, right? So it's like there, there's. I would say nine two one zero is closer to Jawbreaker, and it's <laughs> you know. But you, do you know what I'm saying though? Like there's like there's it's it's taking teen like problems and yeah. making them and taking them seriously. Um, yeah. Whereas like. I don't know. I guess maybe still. Then to know, I feel it. like it was just an excuse to have younger, hotter people on television <laughs> rather than. Except for um, like uh, Luke Perry, who was thirty. <laughs> yes. No. The, um. No. Uh. Uh. uh Gabrielle Cartier is. Uh, oh was, yeah. She's older than Barack Obama. I looked that up one time. She's older than the former president of the United States. <laughs> um, she looked out of place. She always um, looked like a twenty-one Jump yeah, Street character yeah, totally. <laughs> infiltrating a high school. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, so uh, Shannon Doherty is like you know obviously Brenda Walsh in Now Two and Now, and um, uh, she is. I, I I've heard that she got the role because Tori Spelling really liked Heather's, and she was like, "We need to get that 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 gal into this show oh, and be and be Brenda." <laughs> Love Brenda. <laughs> um, Which is like yeah, there's uh, like a she's sort of a proto Brenda at the end of. Heather's where she gets really bitchy and like it's the red scrunchie. She's almost like kind of yeah. Brenda-esque. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean Shandorty is just playing herself in these roles. <laughs> like, yeah. Um but yeah, going back to what you were saying about like um Nano Tumano taking like teen problems kind of seriously, I feel like um the um the melodrama of early Nano Tumano is uh, not uh very self-aware and I think it's it reads more not so much as a soap opera but as like an after school special. Yeah. And um uh, I think in later seasons when they kind of I think it a little sexier, a little saucier. <laughs> then I think it starts to resemble the sort of Heather's vibe a little more. Yeah, I was gonna say, maybe I'm thinking of Melrose Place. Oh, and oh my god, I love and that that show is like boring as hell for the first season, but second season is like magnificent. As soon as Heather Locklear shows up, she just it just the whole thing. yes, and and then like a uh, yeah, Laura Layton, yeah, I'll do a whole podcast of just me talking about Melrose Place. I love Melrose Place. What if we did a podcast where we watch episodes of Melrose Place and <laughs> I would love to revisit that show. It's pretty fantastic. Um, there's an episode with Tracy Lords in it. And, um, oh, and she, really? She, she, she gets Laura Layton to join a cult. You guys, it's so fucking good. Nobody so, believes it, but I'm like, you guys... I might be going on a limb here. I think Tracy Lords is actually a great actress. She's fantastic. Like, Crybaby, yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh yeah, that's right. She's in Crybaby. Uh, I don't. I don't know. She was in Roseanne for a little while. She yeah. had a recurring role in like one of the later seasons. She was a, a waitress in the restaurant that they owned. Okay. But I no, I genuinely think like she's great, and like she was just. She had the reputation of being an underage porn star that, like, haunted... I don't want to say haunted And her, somehow it was framed as being, like, her fault that she was, yeah. like, an underage porn star. Like, and then she's not like That ninth grader should have known better. <laughs> but, no, I think she's actually yeah, got point. acting chops. Like, and she's, like, she's she doesn't shy away from, like, being sexual in the roles that she does. Like, mm-hmm. she still leans into it, but she does it... I don't know. She, she knows it. Like, she knows how to work it. Yeah. She, what if Tracy Lords had been the Rose McGowan character in Jawbreaker? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I like how this podcast has kind of speculated a lot on like what, how could <laughs> what we even this movie? That, um, uh, like which actress would we use to uh, oh, yeah. replace okay. Rose okay, McGowan? Okay, modern day remake. If we were to remake 
I don't Heathers know. today. Mm. Who would we That's cast? That's hard. I don't know who any of the contemporary Anjadus are. Well, obviously, Shalane Woodley is going to play my own writer's character. Oh, no, really? Ryan's got a boner. I'm for a her. big fan of hers. Really? Yeah, I think she's great. <laughs> <laughs> she uh, she elevates everything she's in. I feel like. She really picks a lot of mediocre material, but she always takes it that extra notch up. Okay, okay. She was in the, the Gregor Racky movie, um, White Bird in a the Blizzard, blizzard. Oh. which is not good, but she is good in it. Interesting. Um, and, uh, and then yeah. Uh, yeah, Rose McGowan is in the Gregor Racky. Is that is it the That's Doom generation? generation? She yeah. also has a cameo in Noth- in Nowhere with Tracy Lords and Shannon Dory. And oh my God! Oh, Full circle. <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> um, no, I actually I was talking to my boyfriend about the Doom Generation the other day. He's like, I would totally revisit that. And I was like. <laughs> the text messages somewhere. I said, um, that movie ends with Rose McGowan being gang raped while her boyfriend dies from having his dick cut off. Yeah. I would love to not watch that. Yeah. Movie. And it was like, what? By what? the members of Skinny Puppy. <laughs> so. Are you serious? <laughs> oh my god. Oh, I didn't know yes. that. Because yes. they're like neo Nazi uh, rapists. But they're also gay. Uh, gay like, rapists. Yeah, I, 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 I did not understand. Yeah. This, it does have a great Parker Posey scene in it, though. <laughs> my favorite Is line there is... any other kind of Parker Posey scene besides Grit? <laughs> Good point. Good point. <laughs> I don't know. Parker great. Posey's like. Shalane Woodley, where it's like she did, she picked a lot of lame movies to but do. She's incredible. But she, yeah, yeah, she's, she's always, an incredible she's talent. Plus, but yeah, I, I'm not a big. What's the librarian one? No, you don't like Party Girl. I didn't oh, when I saw yeah. it. That one's Party Girl. No, Party Girl's. <laughs> my rough. voice, my voice is going into that upper register oh, no. when I'm so incredulous. Like you don't like it. <laughs> well, it's just whenever I tell people I work at a library, they're and they're like. So you like party girl? And I'm like, yeah. Uh, one time at work for like an orientation, we had to watch the part in Party Girl where she's getting the hang of the Dewey Decimal System. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was like a way to like get us pumped up or get the library, and I was like, it's working. <laughs> what else? Anything else? I I wrote a lot of quotes from Heather's. I guess that is kind of where Jawbreaker mm. is lacking. I think it could have used a little script punch out. It's really mm. derivative. It's just, I mean, when you're literally like lifting lines from other teen movies, then just being like, get it? Get it? That The whole Jawbreaker yeah. is just like, get it? Do you get it? Do you get our thing? <laughs> um, it's just, they are like, we'll just get the aesthetics of Clueless with like the sort of like sassiness of Heather's, but without any of the substance or originality because yeah. both of those movies, and Clueless and Heather's, are like really like. Um, I, uh, I I think that on on their surface they seem like surface level kind of like teen movies, but are really. And you could I cut think, like a trailer of both yeah. of them to make them seem like the same movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> easily. <laughs> um, but yeah, Chopper just really like I'm I'm glad it's out there. I'm glad it exists. I think that it definitely captures some something about the late '90s. Yeah, really like. Conglomerizes like all like the late '90s trends in like, yes. one movie. Yes, mm-hmm. like I can't defend it because I know that it's not a strong movie, but there's just certain aspects of it that win me I will, over. I will. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean oh, I was just gonna say like I love the fashion in that movie. Ridiculous as it is, it seems like so out of proportion to like the reality of that movie. Yes, yeah. yes, uh, exactly. You know, I love Rose McGowan. Uh, the soundtrack is just 
I love, you know. It's a, like I think it's a great exercise in style. I love the final scene where she's getting pelted by corsages. Yeah. Yes. And it's in slow-mo and like you know, her she just goes for it and her face gets all weird looking and she's like just yeah. pulling it's, at her face. Yeah, and it looks it looks great. It looks yeah. scary and weird. The first time I saw this movie a hundred years ago, uh <laughs> I think I was just hung over and stoned and just like, that, I just like, need something. That's like exactly the circumstances under which you should be watching. Exactly. It's a great yeah. movie for that because it's, <laughs> it's light. It's like, it's beautiful to look at. It's great. And so I just remember seeing that last scene and being like, this is a really good movie. <laughs> and then this time going through with an analytical mind, kind of feeling like, this scene is so unearned. Like, mm. it's yes. so cool on yes. its own, but it makes no sense, really, in the in the whole, like, rest of the movie that we've had up to that like there it's like you don't this movie is not good enough to have this ending on it you know yeah. <laughs> like it's uh it's it's too bad also also there's a did you guys realize there's a flashback in jawbreaker about part of the movie we've already seen like <laughs> rebecca oh, gayhart's yeah. explaining what happened to her boyfriend and it's yeah. like we get a flashback it's like, we watched this already in the movie <laughs> That happened less than an hour ago. That's definitely tailored for like um That's no how our attention spans work. Hey guys, remember what happened at the beginning of the movie? We're about two thirds through. I thought that was weird. Yeah. I think what bothers me about Jawbreaker though is that it thinks it's Oh, it's being more clever than it is. It thinks is. it's so clever. And yeah. uh, I don't know, maybe maybe like to late 90s audiences it kind of was. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I watched Heather's last night right after Jawbreaker and I was just like... Oh, you did it the other way around. Yeah, I just like immediately was struck by how um, how much more sort of like... I know it felt like it felt more artful. It felt like it feels original. It feels yeah. original. It yeah. feels like this is like I mean the dialogue isn't realistic, but it's at least like shit I haven't heard before. Like even mm-hmm. like after watching a million movies, this movie in like the late from the late eighties feels like witty and dangerous and unnerving yeah. and um, and fresh. I mean it's and it's not a world I love going into. Like yeah. It's, yeah. it's funny. That that movie becomes so beloved by people who are, and like who have seen it so many times because it's like it it makes me feel icky. Oh, it's not like a good mood movie, it's right? Not a feel like, good movie. I'm like it's gonna be fun. Like, yeah, because yeah, I definitely uh, think that it uh, it does not let the audience off the hook with like this sort of um, voyeurism yeah. of it, and it holds a mirror up to to people in general. Yeah, and uh, I think that's what makes it great. But I, I see. I kind of assume that like everybody revisits like old teen movies as often as I do. I'm like, so you have like a contemporary lens for this, right? <laughs> Is that how you're looking at this through your contemporary lens? Um, and so I think that uh, a lot of people may, like may not even have like very accurate like recollections of what this sort of like tone of the movie is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, because I know they don't that watch I it every three not. months, every fiscal quarter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely did not. Like, mm-hmm. watching it this time, especially when it gets to that point where the uh, the bigger girl, like, watch, walks into traffic. Yeah. Martha! Uh, Martha Dunstock slash Martha D- Dumbtruck. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm so glad you remembered her real name. Yeah. I was going to call her Martha Dumbtruck, and I felt bad. <laughs> and that was sort of like a, a jolting moment for me. Like, mm-hmm. I did not remember that from my previous viewing. 
And it was a really emotional moment because you don't know if she survived or not right away. They're, right. they're ambiguous about it. And then, like, it comes out that, like, you know, she survived. But then it's like, well, now we have to, like, confront the survivor about this. Like, now, like, there's going to be someone who can, like, look us in the eye at, with, like, living consequences of, like, the things that we've been doing and, and stuff yeah. like that. I, it really, like, shook me up a little yeah. bit, uh, that scene. Because, yeah, I didn't, I didn't remember it, and I wasn't expecting that aspect of it. Do you remember, did you notice, I read this, I didn't notice it while watching it, but I read in a review that I was reading today, um, that Martha's suicide note that she has pinned to herself is addressed to the whole school, which I think is really heartbreaking. She's just like, hey, everybody, like, I'm killing myself because of you, you everyone. Unbelievably cruel. Yeah, it's, uh. That's rough. Yeah, the the way that the Heathers are cruel strikes me, not to be totally sexist, but as the way that girls in high school are cruel to one another. Well, that's actually, maybe that's something you can speak to more oh, than two because, like... yeah, that is actually something that, like, I don't really, um, I don't think is that accurate, um, but it could just be because I, uh, never, like, uh, uh, I think I, tr- I, I think I had, like, half-hearted aspirations toward being like a powerful teen socialite uh-huh. but it just never worked out and i kind of like i was raised right so, <laughs> <laughs> so that never happened and that wasn't that just didn't really reflect my values um uh i guess yeah i don't really remember do you remember girls being like that though like yeah, not or did you see it okay, okay i think that um maybe middle school like a little bit but i feel like we were all like like, I honestly was way more scared and intimidated by, like, the boys in my school. That's something that I've always kind of struggled with, with, like, you know, Mean Girls and uh, and, and Heathers and all this. Is, is I, I'm like, I don't know if we've just told ourselves that teenage girls were that cruel. And, also, and secondly, that female cruelty is that traumatizing or if that's just a thing that like dude directors want to think about it's like, well, I, don't know. It's I, think, like I think it kind of goes to like the men may fucking force you to suck their dicks but girls can be like really mean and I'm like I just feel like, yeah. like I don't know man I kind of it's isn't there like some like Margaret Atwood quote that's like like women are scared that men will women are oh. scared that men will kill them men are scared women will laugh at them right, and I'm like yeah. that's hilarious because because one thing leaves you dead and one thing just leaves your feelings hurt. Totally. I don't know. Like, you you can kind of transcend um, uh, social trauma and just be like, well, fuck it. Who cares? Yeah. But, like, I don't know. Like, being, like, phys- scared for your physical safety is, like, kind of an intense No, thing. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, like, uh, you know, these, the even, like, Clueless and Mean Girls, it takes, like, the sort of Jane Austen, like, game theory thing where, like, they yeah. manipulate just the immediate situation in front of them and like you know like includes like that's all she does it's like you know she's got the emma thing going on where she but just she like, has good intention yeah i, I mean she has yeah good no she's sure has anybody she just wants is, this stoner girl to yeah hang out with this guy who wears turtlenecks who's oh, missing yeah. his cranberry cd yeah <laughs> no i mean in clueless like it's definitely like she's trying to she's trying to use her powers for good yeah yeah uh, but like in mean girls it's sort of the same like they use like the yeah like their powers for evil in that one but all they needed was the cross. Remember, <laughs> all they needed was the cross. <laughs> no, that that uh, 
that is totally true. I just like as like um as like a a, a gal who did survive adolescence and did I did see like um uh some sort of like uh I don't want to say diabolical because that's hyperbolic, but just um. Yeah, I've totally seen like um, manipulative. Um, yeah, manipulative yeah. like a uh, 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 behavior and from, carries from that way girls. too. Yeah, like, like but the, the that, popular. But all uh, of that seems Karen so Allen. insane to me. Yeah. It seems so insane. I'm, I'm like, oh my god! Like, I just, I do not, I do not re- like. I relate to Heather's as like, a like a satire. I do not see it as like accurately representing like adolescent female female behavior i do mm-hmm. not relate to like a um uh an adolescent uh like a social world where like there is no like love or solidarity among women uh, maybe i've been really lucky but like i um i just that is like one of the things that like uh one of the things they did like about jawbreaker was how fern and i wish i could remember rebecca rebecca gayhart's character's name but they end up kind of like um, uh, becoming kindred, like realizing yeah. other kindred spirits, and they have the same sort of moral compass, and mm-hmm. um, and want to like bring down this girl who's like just kind of like callously trying to get away with murdering somebody. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which yeah, yeah. that's a low bar. That's a low bar as far <laughs> as like morality goes. Like you know what, you and me, we're the we're a, <laughs> we're we, we're uh, two peas in a pod. We don't want. We don't. We two. won't stand for murder. <laughs> we don't stand for like <laughs> for tacitly. <laughs> Do you think we've covered enough bases for the movies? I I feel feel pretty good. How are you feeling, man? I'm pretty good. Uh, I was going to ask if you want to run down just like maybe do you have like a top five like female centric movies? Do you have like Ooh. a top five just like feminist movies in general? Do oh, you have gosh, uh I don't know if I uh it, um if I don't have to put them in any order yeah. whatsoever. Um five like female centric like eighties movies sure. that I really like. Yeah. Um Little Darlings with um Tatum O'Neill and Christy McNichol takes place oh. at a summer camp. They're in a competition to well, lose, lose their virginity. Down. I was going to say, I've never heard of this one. It's it's pretty fantastic. Oh, um, Neil, how old is she? She's like uh, 15, 16. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, and then Christy McNichols in it. It takes place at a summer camp. They're both in, the, in a competition to lose their virginity at this summer camp. Uh, the, and, um, and uh, it, it, you know, it, <laughs> the, the outcomes are very unexpected. Uh, they both learn a lot about about like themselves uh, and life. about themselves, and about <laughs> sexuality, and about like uh, and uh, about the value of virginity and like uh, it's it's it's. it's 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 very profound. It sounds great. It's, it's it's great, and it's like it's there's two men in it that talk, and it's um, Armand Asante and Matt Dillon. What? <laughs> My favorite two talking. Yeah, men. Yeah. My favorite two like verbal men. <laughs> you know who'd be good in this role? Matt Dillon. He's yeah, a good right? talker. He talks. Who's that guy that can like walk and talk? Matt Dillon. That's him. That's it. Oh, but you know what's perfect is another sort of female centric movie I love. It's Called walking and talking, and it's what? with Anne Hayes and Catherine Keener. Oh, um, it's oh. from the late nineties. It's directed by um, uh, um, Nicole Hall of Center, who does a lot of movies that are about sort of like middle class white ladies, but she manages to really 
pack some like profound characters and storylines. Oh, okay, okay. Catherine um, Keener's usually a sign of high quality. Uh, I feel Catherine like. Keener is like the fucking best actress um, that's around she right now. She just picks great shit. Yeah. Other female-centric movies with um, uh, uh, Bound. Oh, <laughs> I love Bound. <laughs> no, I thought you were like neutral on it. I'm the one who loves it. <laughs> well, I remember... Well, I don't know. Now, actually, you, I just, maybe I'm just excited because the way you said it. And I'm just like, Bound. Cause, well, cause, yeah, um, I, I, I love... almost made you rewatch it because I love that movie so yeah. much. Maybe and I'm you were sure. like, eh. it's such like a, it's, it, it, it definitely like. She's a plumber, right? Not yes. Gina Gershon, but the other one. No, no Gina Gershon, yeah, Gina Gershon's the plumber. And then Jennifer like the Tilly is like this, like, um, a gangster small who's all like, ah, they're, yeah. they're like adorable little Jennifer Tilly voice. I, I, I just love her in that. Oh, I, yeah. um, I want to give the casting person. Like a lot of credit for thinking Gina Gershon could play a plumber. Yeah. Why not? She's got she's got a manish <laughs> yeah, no, no. Like, It's it's great because like like Gina Gershon like I think that like like men obviously think she's really attractive, but she is so fucking bad. Yeah. Oh, then I'll say um a league of their own. Of um, oh yeah. Of their league own. Of their own. yeah. Oh, and Thelma and Louise. Duh. Yeah. Done. That's a great um, list. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Little darlings, walking and talking, bound, a league of their own, Thelma and Louise. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I own three of those movies. Three out of five. Yeah. Um, well Bettina well first of all, thank you for coming on. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on. This is so fun. And thank I you for giving me one. Present you with oh, a little God. token of our appreciation. <laughs> I don't know how many episodes you've listened to, but we tend to talk about tape a lot. <laughs> So here is your own signed uh, masking tape, Aww. and I chose masking you. tape because uh, you're helping us to demasculate. Oh, oh yeah, that's so good, and uh, we that's, appreciate it. Thank you. Um, I want the listeners to know that I am putting my hand on my on my chest in a gesture of of gratitude. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it's useful. You can use that tape for whatever you want. You can just tape whatever I want. (laughs) Really useful. It's a good good tape. It's a good type of tape. It's a good tape. Thank you. Um, Junk plugging? Yeah, Mm. I think it's time to plug our junk. I think uh, if our guest would like to go first. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So, um, uh... Bettina, that is myself. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm in a sketch group called Toxic Shock. Um, it's uh, me and my uh, my dear friend Emily Shahan, and you can find us on Facebook. It's just Toxic Shock, and uh, Toxic Shock will be um, debuting some new material on May 28th at the Pocket Theater in Greenwood, and I'll be talking about that on the internet. So keep your eyes. On the internet. Right. <laughs> you can follow us. We're, yeah. we're, uh, uh, we're on Twitter. We're on X-rated movies. Uh, that's on, our Twitter, Twitter. Our Facebook is rated, rated X, X movies because Facebook's got weird censorship stuff. Really? Yeah. yeah I'm yeah, we... so surprised. <laughs> uh, you can email us x.rated.movies at gmail.com. We always send a kitten pic with our response. Oh. And uh, yeah, we're taking a break next week, but yeah. after that, it's my choice. Oh yeah, for our movie coming back for season three. Yeah, uh, for our season premiere, a season three premiere. I think I want to watch the movie Big Fan. Oh shit! No, I have not Oswald. seen that. Starring yeah. Patton Oswalt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, he's a very he's he's a very interesting personality. I, I, I was thinking that it was, I saw that like in 
theaters. I haven't seen it since it right after it came out. And um, it's a movie that's always kind of stuck in my craw. And I remember really liking it. And I just want to watch it again. So you've got two weeks to watch it. It's a short, it's a brisk 80 minutes. I'm sure you can get that in in two weeks. That's like as long as Dumbo is. Like, that's like, (laughs) for some reason, I know that Dumbo is 80 minutes. (laughs) Actually, if you play them at the same time, it's like a a far side of the moon. Mm, Dark dark side. (laughs) The far side of the moon is by Gary Larson (laughs) and um, and Roger Waters. I didn't even know. I was like, totally. That's what that album's called. <laughs> Just a bunch of T Rexes trying to pass potatoes, <laughs> mashed potatoes. Um, well, anyway, thanks again, Bettina. You're yeah. welcome. Thank you, guys. Yeah. And we'll see you in two weeks with Big Band. Fuck yeah. me gently with a chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs>